1: One of the most powerful names given to the people of God is found in Luke chapter 20, verse 36. Jesus refers to his covenant people as children of the resurrection. Whatever you are a child of, you owe your existence to. And from the moment that we were born again, resurrection life and resurrection power had a lot to do with our spiritual development. When we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts, that's when we were resurrected spiritually, made alive in Christ. He said, you which were dead in trespasses and sins have been made alive, resurrected in Christ, spiritually and internally. But what begins as an invisible work of God will end as a spectacular outward transformation. And I look forward to that day of the coming of the Lord, when the dead in Christ will rise and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I believe that wondrous transformation day will happen the very last day of this age. Jesus said, all that the father gives me shall come to me and I will raise him up the last day that's the very last day of this age of grace and right when it looks like everything is about to just implode spiritually and literally that's when jesus will break through the clouds and descend in glory and his feet will stand on the mount of olives and every eye will see him because the light of god will illuminate the atmosphere to such degree the scripture says the light of the sun will be like the light of seven days, and the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun. Can you imagine the brilliance of the Shekinah glory of God while the graves are bursting open and the sons and daughters of God are coming forth immortal and glorified? And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will see the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory then, not with shrouded glory or hidden glory when he walked in a human body in this world 2,000 years ago, but it will be the full spectacular brilliance of the light of God shining from him when he comes back again. I, I I am so longing for that day when I see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords coming to set up a theocracy in this world, not a democracy, not a dictatorship, no other earthly form of government, but a theocracy where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will extend the government of God globally, and all things will be brought into conformity to his will. In that grand day, when we are raised to meet him, when we're caught up to welcome him into this world to be the ruling monarch of a new kingdom era, then we're going to be changed in 10 primary ways, 10 particular areas where we're going to be like him. Again, let me repeat. 1 John 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, and certainly this is proof that you are beloved of God. Beloved, now we are children of God. So it's not just a wishful, hopeful thing for the future that one day We'll have this father-child relationship with the Creator. We have it right now, but it's going to reach a peak of expression. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. How are we going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ? Number one, we will be like Him in authority. Certainly not the absolute authority of the sovereign God, but we will be similar to him or like him in authority. Remember in the beginning when God made Adam, the first thing on his list of priorities after imaging himself in this dust form that he breathed life into was to grant that person, Adam, dominion. And so that's still God's agenda read Psalm 8 verses 4 through 6. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. There that key word is dominion. You have put all things under his feet. Notice the phrase all things to me, that includes everything in the physical universe, everything in the celestial world. His bride elect, made up of the sons and daughters of the Almighty God, glorified and immortalized, will be given authority over all things. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, it says in the book of Revelation. In fact, another verse in Revelation In chapter 2, verse 26 says, he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations, which is an implication that there will be natural people that will repopulate the world, but the glorified saints will be in charge in a rulership, kingship position. Only God knows exactly how all of that is going to unfold, but Revelation 3.21 says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my Father in his throne. To share the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be an heir of his shared authority, not only in this world, but universally, not only globally, but cosmically, throughout the entire cosmos. The bride of Christ will rule and reign with him, the queen of heaven, the woman clothed with the sun, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. My, it just boggles the mind to imagine. No wonder your obedience has been tested because God could not trust putting anyone in a position of such authority if there was any potential for rebellion remaining in you. No wonder you've been tried by situations and circumstances in life where it took an extreme act of will to say yes to God and no to the world, because God wants to be certain that you have a surrendered and yielded heart toward him. Otherwise, this authority could be dangerous if it was passed to you because you could cause another rift, an open door of darkness streaming into this new creation that God's going to bring forth. Just as Satan did in the beginning, sons and daughters of God could do again. But I believe the new creation will be free from contamination. Because we've been through the trying station, no wonder Job said, "When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Number two, we will be like the Lord Jesus Christ in intelligence. Ponder this for a few moments while he walked on the earth. Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, "I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends." For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So he unveiled the mysteries of the kingdom of God to his disciples, and he said, It is given unto you to know these mysteries. All things that the Father spoke to him, he shared with his own. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. That's infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom. That is unfathomable knowledge and wisdom. We have the mind of Christ. Of course, it's in seed form, just like the oak tree is hidden in the acorn, and the butterfly is hidden in the cocoon in that stage of development. So right now, I'm sure you may not feel like you are an heir of such a resource of genius, divine genius. And yet, 1 Corinthians 13:12 says, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Which leads me to believe that you and I if we are born again, spirit-filled sons and daughters of God, that we will have just as much of an intimate insight into the nature of God and the nature of the mysteries of the universe as God has into us. We shall know even as also we are known. And God knows all the details about who you are and all the thoughts that go on in your mind, the feelings that roll like waves of emotion in your innermost being. God's well aware of the deepest parts of you that no one else is cognizant of. And one day we will know him just as much as he knows us. How powerful is that? Then number three, we will be like him in emotional capacity. Let me say that again. We will be like him in emotional capacity. Let me give you several key scriptures that prove that John 14:27 Jesus said, "Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid." Listen, he did not say a peace that is similar to the peace I experience or a peace that comes from God. He did not say either of those things. He said, "My peace" the same peace that resides within the heart of the king of all creation has been transferred to your heart. And I believe in the resurrection, it will manifest in fullness. And I don't believe it will be static and unchanging because Isaiah chapter nine, verse seven says of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. So, in a glorified state, right when you think that you've experienced the absolute depth of the peace of God, God apparently will create within himself an even greater and deeper expression of peace that you will, in a sense, plunge to and be enveloped in, And then you'll think this is the ultimate, and God will create once again within himself an even deeper expression of peace and draw you into it so that for all eternity, it will be increasing, increasing. Can you imagine? And then Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, I have spoken these things to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So once again, he did not say it was a joy similar to his, but he said, my joy will remain in you. And one day your joy will be full. And of course, that's the joy that will emerge in you in a glorified body. I don't think we could handle the intensity of the joy of God right now. Our very bones and flesh would melt. The ecstasy of heaven is indescribable but you will have the emotional capacity of the firstborn Son of God. John chapter 17, verse 26, Jesus is praying for the church, and he says, I have declared to them your name, Father, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Certainly that prayer was answered and will yet be answered in spectacular glory, that the love the Father had toward the Son will one day be expressed in you to the highest degree. Love and joy and peace. We will be like him in emotional capacity. Number four, we will be like him in creative supernatural abilities. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, there are several ways to explain that. You can say that the quote-unquote greater works that the church would do after Jesus ascended to heaven would be to bring others into a born-again experience, because only after Jesus ascended and sent back the Holy Spirit was that era able to unfold when people could have this regenerative experience and the Spirit of God could come and dwell within them. Certainly, that's a greater work than opening the eyes of the blind or the ears of the deaf or healing the cripples. Or it could mean literally that some would perform greater works, which is hard for me to even imagine. How can you do something greater than walking on the Sea of Galilee or multiplying the loaves and fishes or raising a dead person back to life or delivering a demon-possessed person named Legion from a multitude of evil spirits. I've never known anyone to do anything greater than that, so I don't believe that second explanation is correct. The third way of interpreting that verse, though, is probably the way it will come to pass. Because notice how Jesus included that we would do greater works because he was going to the Father. And he said, where I am, you will be also. And when he ascended to the Father, universally he's doing greater works now than he ever did when he walked on planet earth. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's building a celestial world beyond description. And that same kind of creative supernatural ability will certainly be transferred to you. I've been so blessed in my life, in my ministry, to be able to pray for some people that were terribly ill or that had infirmities or problems that were just beyond human help. And I've watched God heal them. I've watched God worked miracles in incredible ways. I have literally seen blind people receive their sight again. I have literally seen deaf people receive their hearing again. I have seen people that were marked for death, that were so messed up with diseases they couldn't even walk be raised up by the power of God. So nobody can convince me cessationism is real. I've seen too many miracles, but I do believe greater works will happen when I have a glorified body. If in this temporal body, made of bones and flesh and blood that is only temporary, that will go to a grave one day if I'm not alive when Jesus comes again, If such power can flow through me when I pray for those who are in need of a miracle, that creative miracles can happen to that degree, then how much more will the miracle working power, the supernatural power of God manifest out of perfected, glorified forms? I don't know about you, but my spirit is soaring. Number five, the fifth way we will be like the Lord Jesus Christ is in oneness with the Father. I'm going to pull several verses out of John chapter 17 from this point forward. It's that great intercessory prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ over the church. And he said, I do not pray for these alone, speaking of the disciples that were nearby, but he said, also for those who will believe in me through their word and that includes you and I, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Think of that. Ponder that. To be just as one with the Father, as Jesus, the firstborn son, Certainly, we will not be divine in the degree that he was divine. That's taking these words too far. And yet, he said that we would be one with the Father, even as he was. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 28 through 32, Paul talked about this amazing oneness, and he likened it to marriage. He said, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does for the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then he says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Oh my, I don't think we'll ever be able to fully comprehend the power of that oneness until we actually experience it. Then number six, we will be like him in glory. In that same intercessory prayer, Jesus said, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. And the word glory speaks of many things. Number one, it means the manifest presence of God. Number two, it means his flawless character because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number three, the glory of God also speaks of the radiance, the majesty with which he clothes himself. He clothes himself with light as with a garment. And so I believe that glory, that manifest presence of God that will radiate from the sons and daughters of God will be like unto the glory that radiates from the Lord Jesus Christ. Then number seven, we will be like him in fullness. John 1 16 says, of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Think of that. What was Jesus' fullness? The Bible says, it pleads the father that in him should all fullness dwell. He was the fullness of wisdom manifested in a human form. The fullness of knowledge manifested in a human form. The fullness of love and joy and peace manifested in a human form. The fullness of the divine personality and divine attributes manifested in a single form physically walking in the world. And of this fullness, have we all received potentially in our heart of hearts, in seed form, this fullness resides. There's a scripture that just absolutely stretches my mind to the max with regard to this promise. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 24 through 28, talk about the ultimate climax of all things. It says, then comes the end when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him that God may be all in all. Let that resound in your heart. Let that echo in the echo chamber of your mind, that God may be all in all. Of his fullness have we all received. To what degree does the Bible intend for that to be taken? Only God knows All I know is my heart is full of gratitude that he would even speak such things over us. Number eight, we will be like him in perfection. What hope we have, we imperfect human beings who are always made aware of our frailty emotionally and mentally. Sometimes we feel so fractured and broken because of negativity ruling and reigning in our hearts and in our minds. And yet, the Bible said God gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I don't care how imperfect you may feel you are. You are headed for perfection. If that was not an achievable goal, or more correctly, a receivable outcome, then Jesus never would have said, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yes, we will arrive at that goal one day. In that great intercessory prayer of John 17, again, let me repeat verses 22 and 23. Jesus said, the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Perfect. Yes. Number nine, we will be like him in appearance. Now you live in a frail human form. But the Bible says in Matthew 13, 43, that the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Well, that's similar to the description of Jesus. In Revelation one fourteen and verse 16, it says, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Yes, he will shine like the sun and we will shine like the sun. Can you imagine shining as brilliantly as that ball of fiery gaseous vapors that is 93 million miles away from us and yet illuminates the entire planet? I just can't wrap my mind around the intensity of that. Number 10. We will also be like the Lord Jesus Christ in unchangeableness. I know you change from day to day, up one day and down the next, victorious one day and defeated the next, joyous one day and depressed the next. Life fluctuates all the time for us. But when we're changed, we will be changed one more time, never to change again. Revelation 3.12 says, He who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. In other words, like a pillar, he will be a permanent fixture in the eternal temple of God. God will use the entire universe, in a sense, as a temple that will be a shrine to his glory. And you and I will be pillars in that temple, permanent fixtures in the kingdom of God to come. No wonder 1 Corinthians two nine says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And no wonder Romans 8.18 says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the coming glory to be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Yes, in verse 21 of that same chapter, it even says the creation will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. No wonder the whole creation groans and travails together in pain until now, because even creation, in a metaphorical sense, is waiting for this grand birthing to take place of the natural sons and daughters of the Most High, whose bodies are captivated by the grave. Yet in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. No wonder Proverbs 4.18 says the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more to the perfect day.
0: Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.